Hi, moms. Welcome back. The Honest Mom Podcast. Boundaries. I know. Doesn't that word sound scary? It sounds like you have to be like really aggressive when you communicate those boundaries or the walls come up and, you know, the torches come out. That's not necessarily the case. And we have Dr. Jessica Bauer on this week to prove that and to help you become confident in your boundaries. First of all, become connected to your boundaries. Sometimes we don't realize that that feeling that we have when something just doesn't feel right or comfortable that you don't have to do it. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. And we can communicate our boundaries in a healthy way, short and sweet. We don't have to have a drown out conversation about it. And I wanted to bring on Dr. Jessica Bauer because I've seen her on Instagram really talk about this subject. It's something she's very passionate about. And Dr. Jessica Bauer is a licensed psychologist that specializes in perinatal mental health. She is passionate about helping pregnant or new mothers feel supported. And that has to do with boundaries as well, ladies, and prepared for motherhood. She helps clients feel confident in having effective coping strategies to overcome any mental health issues that may arise during pregnancy or the postpartum period. Dr. Jessica lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and she has three young children. She has a virtual practice, so that's why I wanted to definitely introduce her to you, where she provides both individual and couples therapy. So I am here to introduce Dr. Jessica to you. I cannot wait to talk more about this very hot topic of boundaries that seems to be everywhere. But Dr. Jessica has some new stuff and just a new way of communicating this message of how important boundaries are and how to communicate them in a way that's not going to give you a panic attack. All right, here's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Let's be real. We're not being completely honest about motherhood. Sure, we all talk about how we hate the sleepless nights, the breastfeeding, how our partner doesn't help us enough, and the toddler meltdowns. But I want to know what's going on with you. I'm Michelle Mansfield, author and founder of The Honest Mom Project. On this podcast, we're going to talk about the motherhood shit that no one talks about, not even your best friend. Come join special guests, mom friends, and myself as we share our stories with love, honesty, humor, and definitely a few appearances from my potty mouth. Let's validate what we're all going through so we can acknowledge each of our own feelings with confidence. Let's start being honest moms with each other. Welcome to the Honest Mom Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Honest Mom Podcast. As promised, we have an amazing guest, Dr. Jessica Bauer, here with us. Dr. Jessica, is that how you'd like for us to call you by? I actually prefer just Jessica. Oh, okay. Well, Jessica, welcome to the Honest Mom Podcast. I want you to introduce yourself to the guests out there listening. I'm going to let you take the lead here. Yeah. So again, my name is Jessica Bauer. I am a licensed psychologist. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I have three kids, lots of pets, uh, chickens and horses. Uh, the horses do not live with us. So yes, we have kiddos and, and pets just in my personal life. Uh, professionally, I work with moms 
of either women that are pregnant or new moms. That is my passion. That kind of came to be as I started my private practice and realized as I became a mom myself, the importance of women having support as they go through uh, that transition. Yeah, I read your history um, of just, you know, how you developed your practice and your connection with this world. And did it, did it happen like when you became a mother? Is that kind of how you connected with it more? Yes. Before I was a mom, I was focusing on neuropsychology. I was doing assessments and also some individual therapy. But when I became a mom, I started to notice things coming up for myself and for my close friends. And we started to have more and more of these conversations around the struggles that we were facing. And we were also shocked by these things that we didn't anticipate. And so I slowly started to gear my focus towards women and then in moms. And so now that is pretty much the majority of the work I do in my practice. Yeah, that's, you know, it's once we become mothers, it's amazing what we connect with with ourselves and thinking like, I can't be the only one. Then you talk and then you realize, I'm sure you have, like, I'm like, I didn't know anything from my doctor or any, you know, it wasn't, you know, discussed at my baby shower. You know, my mom didn't have heart to hearts like this could happen. You could feel this way and no fault of anyone, but um, I'm glad that we are all starting to talk about it more and more. I think we still have a road ahead of us, but um, you know, I'm glad there's women like you that are helping mothers through this transition of motherhood. And there's so many stages of it and so many things we deal with. And like specifically today, this is such an amazing topic, the world of boundaries. I can't tell you, I could probably have a whole season about this topic and mom's really gravitating towards this boundary topic that seems to be a hot button lately and on the gram, you know, it's, it's out there. People are talking, there's books more and more coming out. Can you tell our guests why you chose this topic and how you connect with this topic of boundaries in just the world of motherhood in general with that? Yeah, I think in general, um, boundaries is one of the biggest topics that comes up in the eight years that I have been seeing clients in my practice. It has been an issue that has, or a topic that has come up more than anything else. And so that's why I think it's one of the most important things to talk about in places like here on a podcast, because I would say almost everyone has to encounter setting boundaries at one point in their life. And then you bring it to motherhood. And I had no idea how much this would come up that now, not only am I responsible for setting boundaries for myself, but I'm in charge of managing these relationships around my child. And those to me were a little bit more shameful. You know, for instance, who am I to say no to someone seeing my child? Doesn't that make me mean or uncaring? And when I started to do the work with new moms, similar sentiments were coming up, the shame around it, particularly when it's around our child or after we have a child. So I think it's something that most of us can relate to, whether you're in motherhood or not. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So what is a boundary if moms out there are, because honestly, 
uh, until about a couple of years ago, I don't think I really connected to the word boundary the way it's talked about now with our mental health and just, you know, life in general. So what is a boundary? Yeah, it's, it's a way for us to create space, whether that's emotionally, mentally, or physically. It's just an avenue for us to take care of ourselves. It helps others in our lives understand what we feel comfortable with and what we don't feel comfortable. So I think they're basically a way to protect our mental health. Do you think the word can kind of come off a little aggressively where moms out there listening may think boundary means like, you know, like X, you know, you know, just like, it it just seems like an aggressive word, at least to me, where I felt like just even saying that word sounded like a big, like iron fence um, versus something that actually can be gentle or, you know, just a a form of communication of what is going to keep you sane, I guess. But do do you feel like it has a negative kind of feeling around it? Absolutely. Because I think boundaries tap into um, something that most people struggle with, and that is prioritizing our own needs. I think boundaries are going to bring up some resistance towards being honest with our needs. A lot of us grew up in a way that taught us to be kind to others, always be nice. And so boundaries are really scary. And I think they can be very intimidating or come off uh, in a negative way, rightfully so, because they go against everything that we were modeled most likely growing up in our society to kind of not push buttons, to kind of keep the peace. So I do think um, that's something that I generally have to work with clients to kind of see boundaries in a different way. And I think something that I always say to clients is um, boundaries are not walls. They're not meant to keep people out. Boundaries are a door. They're like a door that you're helping people kind of understand how do you interact with me in a way that feels good. It's a door into being with you, having a relationship with you. So they're not the same as walls. They're not so incredibly rigid that you can't be flexible either. And I know we'll probably get into this more as, as we go along, but Yeah, I think challenging some of those, you know, negative feelings that come up for people around boundaries, they're real and they come from a place of the messages that we received most likely in society or growing up. Yeah, and I'm sure you're familiar with um, Nedra and I believe her last name is pronounced Tawab. I've never like Googled how to actually pronounce, but her Set Boundaries, Find Peace um, book that came out, I think last year. Um, and I read it in like two days. It was, you know, great. But one of the things that I liked that she said, and tell me what you feel about it, is that boundaries are actually beneficial to your relationships. And it made me feel better. Like it actually can make your relationship with your mom, your spouse, your child, a friend, et cetera, coworker, stronger. And um, I loved all the examples she gave on how that can happen. Do you have that same belief? A hundred percent. And I adore her, by the way. She oh, is gosh. And that book was actually going to be something I mentioned towards the end. uh, Oh, great. Yeah, let's keep it up on there. Definitely mention it for sure. It's a great resource. And that is 100% my own belief that boundaries help preserve relationships 
they help them to feel more fulfilling. And something that comes up, particularly when I work with clients around family members, and sometimes when it's creating, maybe they're trying to create a boundary to have more space, to not maybe interact with that person as often. They'll say, but that means we're going to be less close or we're going to have less of an intimate relationship. And I will say to them, in fact, the opposite can be true. When you interact with someone, maybe not as often, those interactions might start to feel more fulfilling and rewarding and good. You might not be coming into that interaction already dreading it or feeling irritable. And so I like to challenge this idea that if we interact less or maybe if we have more space or don't see people as often, you can still be incredibly close with that person. In fact, sometimes feel more connected. I love that. I love that. It's, and I agree a hundred percent. And I've noticed that with the <laughs> setting boundaries, it's hard, especially depending on how you grow up and how you were raised. Um, you know, for example, I was listening to a Mel Robbins podcast episode. She has some, uh, a few episodes out right now about narcissism and, you know, growing up with parents that are narcissistic in various levels, obviously. And, um, you know, one thing I was thinking of is, you know, how I grew up, it, you know, I had an alcoholic addictive father, um, an addict in other ways besides alcohol. And I had that, I still had that codependent mindset and keeping the peace and is everyone happy and everyone, you know, and it's that I think is such a huge part with boundary setting <laughs> and kind of just what you allow. And I will say, looking back at how much that ate me and the resentment that I formed with people in my life. And it wasn't that, you know, their intention to make me feel resentful, but because I allowed things that into my life like that, because I didn't want to make them upset or defensive or whatever reaction they, you know, I made up even in my head that they were going to have, I just went along with it. And that was something that just didn't work for me. Do you find you were, um, like it, just in the subject of how you were raised and your personality and your beliefs like can affect your boundary setting in life? Yeah, well, I think you bring up such a good point that if you grow up in a household that has a lot of chaos, you're gonna default into, I don't wanna create any more chaos. I'm gonna kind of disappear. I'm gonna make things easy on everyone else because there's so much going on around me. I need to, to protect myself by almost making myself invisible by not putting my needs out there. And so people continue into their adulthood doing those same patterns, making, the, making it easy for everyone else, keeping that peace. And that feels comfortable. So it, it makes sense that it continues on because it is comfortable, but you just said it, it completely drains you. So quickly, you find yourself always feeling like you're being taken advantage of or you're giving more than you're getting. You're going off and finding relationships or friends where you're in a similar pattern. And hopefully people kind of go, this is no longer working. And I love doing this in therapy with my clients, helping them realize, yeah, that that's, that's not okay. That doesn't allow you to be your full authentic self. And you're always gonna be running on E, on empty. And so to start making those changes 
in their lives. It is incredibly hard because they're in, they're stuck in these comfortable ways. But once they start setting these boundaries and living in a more authentic way, putting their needs out there, it starts to feel so much better. And it's, that gets easier and easier to set those boundaries. Such great points. Do you have off the top of your head, because I've I just was reading a couple things um, recently about some metaphors that just help me connect with boundary setting and mental health as, as a mom. Do you have anything that could just that moms out there listening could connect with as far as a metaphor, if you don't, no big deal. But I was just curious because I found some interesting ones, you know, that I was like, oh, that makes sense and made me feel better actually too. (laughs) Yeah, I think when I start doing the early work, because before you get into setting boundaries, the work that's so important is to learn more about yourself. Mm. Majority of us have spent so much time looking externally at what everyone else is doing or feeling. So when we start thinking about making our needs a priority and then setting boundaries, we have to first realize when that, when that is coming up for us, when we're feeling drained, because a lot of people are just so used to it. It's comfortable. They're powering through. So I love working with clients and helping them start to identify these things. Wait a minute. What, how do you know? that a boundary needs to be set. What are your warning signs? And so the metaphor I always use, and you heard me say the empty tank is just like a, any sort of tank. I generally use like a gasoline tank in a car and, and really help them realize that they're on empty and that they have been just giving and giving and giving. And when they really look at it, there's not a lot pouring back in and how a car can't function that way. It can't actually go anywhere. And so that's kind of the the one that I use early on just to help people recognize those warning signs that something, we need to bring some boundaries in. And when we start doing the work around setting boundaries, I love to use the one that we're like a house. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this one around boundaries, but a lot of people will kind of use this idea of you're like a house and how you have these different rooms and you have the porch outside and then the yard and how it's important to start evaluating your relationships. Where, where do you want those relationships to land? Are those people that maybe you keep outside? Ah. Safe enough to actually come inside into our more intimate spaces. Are those the people that we're going to start holding more rigid boundaries around? That they're not going to, they're not as safe or flexible. And those are the ones that we want to kind of explore how we keep them in this space that feels best for us. And that might be in the yard or on the porch versus who do we let in to these more intimate spaces? And, and then how those boundaries start to change based on those different rooms and relationships. Because in all reality, boundaries are going to be different. For instance, with our partner who might be in a more intimate space than a distant friend or a coworker. So again, I love using a house to help people imagine this and where people would fall within their home. Oh, I love it. Cause I already know some people that are in the basement. You know, I already started putting people down there and it's not a furnished basement either. <laughs> oh, I, don't. You know, 
I love that because yeah, you see the well, you see the, you know, filling tank and, and those are great, but I love this house one because who do I want, you know, next to me, I'm in my safe spot you know, in my, you know, on my couch where I love to like read and have my like quiet time, who do I want sitting next to me? Um, you know, who do I want in my bedroom? Yeah. I guess the bathroom was probably the most intimate space. Um, but it's already made me connect just mentally just now with people in my life that I'm like, Ooh, I want them in, you know, that spot. I would totally, even in my bathroom, I'd be like, come on in. (laughs) you know, but there are people that I would keep outside and maybe even like, you know, in like, maybe on the other side of the fence, even maybe the sidewalk. Well, and I think it's also important because everyone's home is going to look different. Yeah. So some people might have more people outside than in their home. And Mm. some people might have more people inside that home and have more of these relationships that they feel safe opening up to. Some people have very few inside their home in those more intimate spaces. Um, But yeah, it helps people start to envision what really feels authentic for them. And I think it really speaks to how boundaries are not so straightforward. They Mm -hmm. really are personal and they're really based on who you are and who you're trying to set the boundary with. What is that person on the other end of this? All of these pieces impact um, the boundaries you're going to set and how you deliver those boundaries. So kind of I can say, okay, now that we're moving into this part of the house, we're getting to these more intimate relationships, what boundaries would you set? How would you deliver those? Those people feel more safe. So we might have some flexibility with those boundaries. They don't have to be so rigid. So again, I feel like using the house Therefore, it kind of really gives us a way to talk about boundaries and helps to kind of simplify it, make it feel more manageable. Yeah. So it's not only what you're saying is like, it's not only knowing about yourself and what you need, which is work in itself, um, but it's also like who you're dealing with, all the different personalities, challenges, how people usually react based on history, you know, and, and kind of how you need to communicate with them. There's people in my life, I need to be very black and white and direct. And there's some people that get it right away. So it, it, yeah, again, and then that's, that's still work and unpredictable at times. Yeah, I think two misconceptions I see around boundaries. The first is that um, people I work with will think if I do so much work to understand myself and to really deliver these boundaries in a clear concise way that's loving and kind, they will be received well. And that is not true. No matter how much we do work in delivering our boundaries, that does not mean that the other person is in the same space um, or place in their life to receive that boundary. And that's a really hard one to come to terms with because that can leave us with some difficult decisions when we start to set boundaries and we're faced with people that can't take those boundaries in and respond in a, in a loving way back. Uh, so that is, that is a really, really tough one. And then I think the other thing that I face with boundaries is that people think if I set these boundaries, maybe people will kind of get it and, and change over time. And I always help my clients understand that boundaries aren't about 
getting a message to the other person, helping them realize what they do doesn't work or what, you know, is a way to tell what they should do. Boundaries are about ourselves. They're to let people know what feels good for us, the ways that we want to be loved. Uh, and so, yeah, those are two things that I, I think are important to bring up when we talk about boundaries. Something that I bring up a lot lately as I, I turned 46 in August, and I was talking to a woman that I work with who is in her early 50s, and just she's just amazing. And she's like that inspiration of like, why would I be afraid of aging with people like this that are just beautiful people through and through? And I said to her, it was her birthday, and I'm like, so are you just loving your 50s? And someone in the background's like, oh, you know, and I'm not looking. And she's like, I love my 50s. She's like, I give even fewer Fs than I did. And I sat there and I'm like, you know what? I give, the, you know, you know, I talk to women about boundaries and trying to just disconnect from the reactions. And, but I'm like, I've got a 46 year old mentality. I'm like, and some of these moms listening out there are in their early twenties, they're in their early thirties. And back then I was a different person. I didn't have the skin and the experience that I did now. So it's, you know, I think it's so important to acknowledge the difficulties like you're doing right now, that this isn't an easy process. No, and you're right. Most of us didn't start doing this work until a little bit later. Uh, I know for me, it came after a really hurtful relationship that I allowed someone to get so much of me and I got very little back. And when I got out of that relationship, that was the moment that woke me up to, wait a minute, that is, that is just my way of being. That's what I've always known is kind of the people pleaser, the keeper of the peace in my family. And <clears throat> that person unfortunately hurt me really badly, but they also woke me up to how little I was expecting or really asking for from those around me. And so those experiences, and then you move forward into my thirties when I became a mother, it was another kind of awakening for me because I was kind of wanting to default to just that people pleasing, being the best mom I can. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to ask for anything. I can rock this. Mm -hmm. It was another moment that I kind of got gobsmacked with. Mm, no, that's not going to work. You really have to be authentic and, and ask for what you need. And it was hard because I wanted to just slide back into that pattern that I've known previous in my life as well. Yeah. And if you're told throughout your life and being raised to, you know, speak when you're spoken to or don't ruffle feathers or yeah, exactly. It happens, you know, in childhood, like don't, don't speak too strongly or you'll appear this way or that way. So you have that, you know, worry in your head. Am I going to be this? Am I going to be that? So um, off to something else though, like if moms are listening there, you know, sometimes you get to that point, like you had your point with your relationship that you just spoke about. I've had some of my break, my points. How does a mom out there listening know if, when the breaking point is? Cause we sometimes don't know until you know, bleep hits the fan. Absolutely. I think this is important because we want people to seek out and get that help as I did, even as a therapist, we all need that support to start building in some of these things in our life, such as setting boundaries. I think the biggest sign is when 
you're feeling very resentful or let down in your relationships. Maybe you're feeling very taken advantage of. So basically when you scan out in your life, I want you to look at how fulfilling are these relationships in your personal life and work, just with family, how are you feeling? And a lot of times um, that can be an indicator I know a lot of other people will come because their initial indicators, maybe they're anxious. They're just going and going and going and they don't know how to take care of themselves or ask what they need. So that might show up as more uh, depressed mood or feeling more anxious and revved up. And like, they just, they're just kind of starting to hit that point where they can no longer keep going at that rate. So each of us will have different warning signs but those are some of the most common that I see. Yeah. I have someone in my life where every time I'm around him and it's not my husband, everyone, but every time I'm around him, like my chest tightens because every, I'm just waiting for his reactions on things. And when he asks questions or are we going to this or are we doing that? Are we coming for Christmas, even though we're Jewish? Um, And it's like, I, when we say no, it's like, I'm dealing with a freaking two-year-old toddler. Like my daughter who's nine acts more maturely with bad news than this person in my life. And so whenever these events come up birth, you know, it's like always this hoopla of celebration and, you know, and we're unfortunately not super close with him either, where it's like, okay, not only are we not close with you really, we're related to you in some way, but it's like, then I'm dealing with like toddler reactions where I'm afraid to say, no, we can't make something because we have a legitimate reason. And uh, it's interesting that, that people's reactions out there, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a grown adult. hundred percent. And that is so important because that is a warning sign in certain specific relationships. When you're feeling that tension in your body or that I don't even want to have to bring this up with this person because I'm already anticipating their negative response, that they're going to act out, they're going to have an adult tantrum. And that is a sign that, man, this is, this is not feeling good. This person really wants me to only act in ways that feel good for them, but they're not allowing me to exist here they're really pulling to kind of do what they want. Well, and it's, you know, being aware, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, being aware of who you're dealing with. Like I have people in my life, I know how they're going to react to criticism or the word, no, we can't, whatever. So it's like, I've had to really learn how to work with that specific person. And I'm thankful too, that I have people in my life where, gosh, you know, I could, I could communicate, I can't do something or yeah, we're not going to be able to do that. And they react in such a wonderful way that we have such a great conversation about it. And then I have the, you know, so it's, you know, I do have quite a few, we bring up the topic of narcissism again, you know, I listen to podcasts about it or read a book about this subject. And I'm like, oh, I could ding, ding, ding three people in my, in my life. And you know, there's ways that I just can and cannot communicate with them and things that I just don't say even like I just learned recently when you're dealing with a narcissist, which I have this person in my head as I'm talking, like you cannot challenge them. 
So if they say, for example, and this was, you know, on the podcast that I was referring to, if you, if they say to you, when you come over for Thanksgiving, oh, it's been a while since we've talked or I've seen you. And you sit there and (laughs) you think about what you're going to say. And the last thing you really need to say with someone with, you know, with narcissism and I'm not diagnosing, I know it's not a diagnosis, but just blanket statement here. You can't say and challenge them because they will come right back at you. So this person was um, advising, you just kind of politely say, yeah, it has been a while, you know, and you just kind of leave it at that, you know, for them just to kind of, they don't have anything really to work with basically, because you know, they're going to combat you or it's going to be some kind of argument or adult tantrum, like you said. So I'm trying to learn the minimal things that I can say to certain people. And you, some people out there may think like, well, these are my beliefs and my values. I should be able to communicate them to this person. And if I don't say anything, then that's me like not honoring my values. How, what do you think about that, Jessica? No, that's such a great point. Cause that does come up in my work where people will say, but if I don't say anything, isn't that avoiding? Yeah. So isn't that wrong? And I always say, in any situation, the, the, the priority is to protect you and your mental health. And sometimes mm. that means not engaging. And that's not avoiding. You're actually reading the situation and saying, I need to respond in this situation in a way that protects my well-being. And so that in that instance that you described, the way you protect yourself and a healthy boundary is, I don't want to engage in this. Because I know where that's going to go. And that ultimately is going to make me feel worse. So it's not avoiding. It's appropriately reading the situation and being able to make an informed, healthy decision that protects your own mental health. And that is, that is important. That there are times that we don't want to engage. And that's actually a boundary. They look so different. They don't always look like I'm going to say something here. Sometimes it's I'm not going to go there with you because that's not going to serve me well. Yeah, sometimes you have to find out the hard way and it's never too late uh, to change that that mentality. We had um, someone on Instagram that wanted to ask you a question about communicating boundaries in a healthy way. And what if that person doesn't listen or <laughs> AKA respect the boundary? You know, and what if you communicate a couple times, three times and they still don't listen? So I guess that's a two-part question first. How do we communicate our boundaries in a healthy way where we don't feel like a total B? (laughs) Yes, I think that it is really important that you want to be really short and concise in your boundaries. We don't want to over explain that can get us into hot water very quickly. It tends to lead to more of an argument because people are going to pick up on maybe one or two things we say and want to challenge it. And then you're all of a sudden in a completely different place than when you started. Uh, And you're in this conversation now for 40 minutes. So I think it's really important that we wanna be short and concise. We do wanna be kind in the way that we set boundaries. Hey, thanks so much for thinking of me. That actually doesn't work right now. I'd love to sometime in the future. So again, it's, it's kind, it's appreciating that someone reached out, but it's very clearly saying it doesn't work right now. And so those are ways that we wanna set boundaries. We wanna kind of combine short and concise. We want to say no. (laughs) We want to be very clear. 
Um, but we can be very kind in the way that we say it. The second part, uh, and this is so important, because a lot of times in all reality, people are not going to just hear that boundary one time and completely adjust. Oh and yeah. Think about it, a lot of generations, a lot of people that we're interacting with didn't grow up, not even in their adult life, hearing the word boundary. This is not in their vocabulary. This goes against every fiber of their upbringing and the way they've existed in the world. And so, uh, and then even people that are maybe our similar age, maybe they're not in that place that they've done this work, that they have the capability, the openness to receive boundaries. In those situations, I like to normalize that boundaries are not a one and done kind of, we can set it and then walk away and it's for good. It really is about being a broken record. We wanna set it and they're gonna come back and wanna push back a little bit and we wanna set it again. And even in the same conversation, if they are resisting or they wanna kind of say, hey, you said you can't come on this weekend, but you know, it, it would be okay because I could help with the baby. And you know, wouldn't this be nice? I know you said you wanted to do this, like they wanna keep coming back with reasons why you should do whatever it is they want you to do. Just keep saying the same thing. I hear you, that would be really nice. Unfortunately, it doesn't work right now. And that kind of helps people feel like, wait a minute, you don't have to have specific responses. You don't have to go into telling white lies. You just need to say the same thing four or five different ways. You can slightly modify it, but to keep saying it over and over again. I, I imagine myself being this kind of record going around and that just normalizes that that has to happen depending on who we're saying the boundary with. So it might be saying it six times in a conversation. Some people might be good and two months later, you'll need to revisit. Hey, actually, that doesn't feel good for me. I don't feel comfortable doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Were you a fan of Friends, the show? Absolutely. Okay. I immediately, when you were just talking about this, I was thinking about the episode when Chandler went out with Rachel's boss and did it didn't go well. He was like, I'm not into her. But he had the hardest time just telling her like, it's not going to work. I don't want to go out with you anymore. And Rachel would be in the background waiting for that to happen. But he would just awkwardly almost like over explain like, yeah, it was a good time. And, uh, you know, stumbling. And he's like, and he didn't know what else to say other than we should do it again sometime. I'll give you a call. And Rachel would be in the background like, oh my gosh. And then he just kept getting trapped throughout the end that episode of just being in the same situation instead of just being black and white, direct and upfront, instead of just like your mind just is like, like you said, over explaining just doesn't seem to work. It's almost like you're talking to a toddler because I remember with Brooklyn as a toddler, uh, Dr. Harvey Karp, um, the happiest toddler on the block author, he was, you know, one of the things that stuck in my mind is don't talk to your two or three or two or three year old, whatever, with like these long drawn out sentences and explanations, because they're just, it's going to go, it's like direct. And that's what we do with these adults. A hundred percent. And it confuses people. They left kind of going, well, oh, so that's, there's an opening there. So you mean it's no right now, but it's not no forever. It means I can come back and maybe it will be different in a week or two. And we want to be very, very clear. And we want to make sure that they're hearing that it's a no. When do we initiate consequences? Like when is that point where you're like, this isn't working, I've got to set a consequence. And what kind of consequences are realistic if someone's not listening and respecting your boundaries? 
yeah, I mean, this is also important and incredibly hard, but it is true. We start to kind of, when we pick up that that person's not respecting our boundary, let's say we ask someone to, to not come over after having a baby and they show up at our front door, you know, and they just keep just kind of not hearing us at all, then it is important to let people know that is not okay. And a consequence in that situation maybe would be instead of coming in and saying, hey, this actually wasn't a good time and giving them time, it is leaving them on the front doorstep and saying, hey, unfortunately, it's not a good time and not allowing them in and really giving them that message that, hey, it doesn't work to just pop in. Um, sometimes it means letting people know, hey, I know if it comes to lying, if you have someone in your life that constantly is maybe telling you these white lies or outright lies, saying, I'm just gonna let you know if that continues to happen, it's gonna create some distance in the relationship. I might not feel safe engaging in certain ways. So it is important and it is okay to say, I'm just letting you know that this might really change our relationship. Sometimes it's a silent one where you just pull back and you just kind of, after a while you realize, okay, they're not respecting my boundary. And that's not made, you're not verbally expressing that to them. You're just knowing it's okay for me to now create that distance, but it's also okay to let people know as well that, Hey, this is what's going to happen to our relationship. Mm. You know, I'm just, something's coming to my head. My brother who has, um, a one-year-old, my nephew, he has made the decision this year. They, they live out of state from where we live and my mom and stepfather. So we usually do Christmas Eve all together. And it's been that way since we've been born. And he now lives in another state, has a one-year-old, a wife that's pregnant again. They both work a lot of hours. They just built a home that they just moved in and had so much trauma. So they're just enjoying their home. And my brother told me, he's like, I, and you know, he's like, I'm going to talk to mom. We're going to do Christmas at home and wake up on Christmas morning in our home. And I know mom's out there. You're going to be relating to this because you're probably dealing with this too, with holidays is him wanting to create his own traditions for his son and future son and his wife and not being in a car because usually it would be Christmas Eve and then Christmas day, they would drive to her family. And since, you know, about eight hours away. And he's like, I don't want to be in a car with a one-year-old for eight hours on Christmas day. I want to be in front of our tree. And I'm like, have you told mom? And he's like, I'm afraid to, but I think, you know, and she actually took it. I will say we had a cop, my mom and I had a conversation. She told me, and she's like, I'm having a hard time. And I just told him, I just need a little bit of time to deal with this adjustment, but I get it. And I'm like, thank you. Like, that's great. Have your hard time. Cause it's sad, you know, and my brother also needs to understand that. So we also, I think a good point is to empathize with if someone's communicating, if they're upset or sad is to, don't you think it's important for us to also, if they're being mature about it and communicating with you to be empathetic to maybe a hard thing that they have to deal with, with the boundary? Absolutely. I think that's a really important part that that's not a person that's blaming or attacking. It is really healthy for the person that's on the receiving end of a boundary to feel sad and to be able to acknowledge that 
I think, again, this is a way that we can build connection through boundaries. That's a really powerful moment that can happen right there to normalize that change will happen over time in relationship and families. And that what that family member is asking for makes so much sense. They want to be able to wake up and have that time at home that in today's society we live very far away from family at times and these things are gonna look different, but to also acknowledge that there's a person on the other end and that their feelings are valid as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad it's going that direction because my mom's done a lot of growth because before I think she would take things more personally or just, you know, and I think she's done a lot of growing and I'm, I'm proud of her because she's acknowledging that she's upset, um, but she's not like mad. You know, she's like, I get it. I get it. She's like, I just want to be with my grandson and it's so hard. And I'm like, well, who says December 25th or December 24th needs to be the day you see, you know, so they're going to go in January, early January and go visit them. I said, you know, no one knows what day it is. (laughs) The calendar doesn't matter. It's the celebration and the time. I just wish more people understood that and, and realized that. I think that is really hard that I have found in motherhood particularly is uh, how much some family members can put that pressure on these certain dates or holidays and how overwhelming that can feel, particularly if maybe you want to preserve some just for your own family, for your partner and your kids. Uh, And yet some people have very strong feelings and, and really also underestimate that we can make special time outside of those times as well. But that is something that a lot of parents and, and moms juggle is trying to balance that pressure to have family together on these moments or to make these bigger moments, but how that can be too much at some times and how maybe they want to take a holiday or event and maybe have it be more intimate and create that moment with family a different time. Yeah. Speaking of time, a funny little story. I, whenever I host things now with family, cause I, I, I value my sleep and I get up early. I'm up at like four 30 in the morning. And so I'm in bed almost asleep by nine for sure. So um, I'm a little bit more flexible with hosting things, but I have a banner. It's not a huge banner. I got it on Amazon along with some cocktail napkins a little, and some little plates for the appetizers, little disposable plates that say, please leave by nine. And that was like kind of a, an icebreaker with my family. Cause they're like, really? And I'm like, I've tried to tell you guys in like nice ways. And then they start a board game or picture, you know, whatever at like 845. And my husband and I are looking at each other. Like no one is listening to the fact that we are even like observes, like they go to bed early. They they've been for years and we're still here. So I'm like, I'm going to make a joke out of it. And now it works. And I don't have any problem. Like you guys, it's time. And I point to the banner and they laugh and then they get their stuff and then they're on their way. And yet that's so, I love that idea of using the napkins, you know, these different ways that we can deliver that message. And sometimes it can be a little bit more fun, but just a way to keep reminding people, hey, this actually works well. And that will leave me feeling really good after this get together versus waking up the next day completely frustrated or exhausted. And not wanting to have people over ever then, because you know how it's going to be. It's like, you've been here for five hours. It's, it's been good. <laughs> Time I maxed out at like three or four, like three or four hours. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. With anyone. Exactly. And especially moms out there, you know, you are probably up all night with your child. If you are hosting a birthday party, a holiday, anything, please honor your schedule and your sleep. And if anyone gets upset, 
you know what? One holiday I did go up, like the people were not listening, <laughs> respecting. They listened, they heard, but they weren't respecting. I said, you know what? It just locked the door when you leave. We went upstairs. We put Brooklyn to bed. We went to bed. They weren't too loud, but I'm like, I'm going to bed. Sorry. You know, so make it work for yourself and hopefully not feel too guilty. Um, so we were speaking about Nedra earlier and I just love her. She's got a new book out too, uh, or a pre-order, pre-order. But anyways, I found an awesome quote on her Instagram because her Instagram is just amazing. Jessica, I know you, you love it too. Okay, so I'm gonna read the quote from Nedra and it is, when you find yourself changing numerous things to fit what someone else wants, you may not be in the right place. Everyone can improve something and it's unhealthy to shift everything to fit someone else's needs. If you find yourself in a relationship, and I just put this in here, <laughs> or situation, when you are not good enough, perhaps you aren't in the environment where you can thrive. So let's chat about that, your feelings behind that quote that you have. I, I loved it. I instantly connected with it. No, it's really, it's a really powerful message. I think it's also a really hard message. It's a hard truth because I think a lot of us want to avoid the idea that maybe some relationships just aren't going to work for us. But that is the reality that most of us will shed relationships throughout our lives, particularly the ones where we feel like we cannot be ourselves, that not even you know, we can't even let out a small need here or there, that you're constantly having to make sure that that other person is happy. You're constantly shifting yourself for that other person. Yeah. I mean, I am definitely, like I was saying earlier, I'm in a de definitely in a different place um, than I was, gosh, even five years ago. And we all have to connect with where we are and the decisions we are making that are affecting our mental health in a negative way and in a positive way. And how do we get to a place? And some people may have a hard time with your new place that you're at. Um, I've had, you know, that it thrown at me like, oh, all your self-help books and all these like little podcasts and like self-discovery. And I'm going through yoga teacher training, which people don't understand the emotional and growth experience. It's not just about doing warrior three. Um, so I get the, oh, is this from that, you know, your yoga, you know, living the best this and whatever. And so, you know, I, I like the place that I'm at. Some people have a challenge with that. What do you think about that? If someone's feeling a little bit of resistance from people, if they're in a good place now in a better place. 100%. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I'll have clients come to me and they will tell me, oh, their family and friends say that I don't know if that therapist is doing their job right. <laughs> because my job is not to help my clients keep the peace. So a lot of times these friends and family members, when individuals are coming to therapy, do have strong reactions. And, and then, you know, all reality, they probably don't like me very much because I'm encouraging my client to live a more authentic life. One where they obviously care about the needs of others, but their needs exist as well. And so when we find ourselves in a situation where people maybe um, kind of see our growth, but are uncomfortable about it or want to poke fun, I think that that's so individual. I mean, right, what we do in those situations. 
kind of how are we going to respond? I think that can look different depending on the relationship as a whole. What does it look like? Is this personality poking fun, but they really are hurtful and the relationship is very, very unhealthy. That's different than in all likelihood, there are going to be people that resist our change. And I just find that if you live, um, you continue to live your truth and kind of grow and see where those people land. Can they grow? They might resist initially, but are they starting to show some kind of acceptance and awareness? Or maybe those people that can't be on that journey, but you still keep them in your life in a different capacity. You don't really maybe open up to them about this piece. So there's people too, right? That they fit certain boxes in your life, but maybe you don't open up about these areas because they might be more likely to uh, poke fun or be really negative. So again, it's so individual to you and the relationship on how you want to cope with it. And learning, you know, this is kind of cliche, but what you can and can't control. And we can't control people's, you know, I'm sure, you know, you agree hundred percent. We can't control people's behaviors, reactions to things, their interpretation to something. Um, we can just control what's going on inside of our brains and our family. Um, you know, it, it, it's, I don't expect to control people, but one of my hard things is just being surprised and hurt by reactions and, and taking it personally, you know, instead of realizing it has to do with what's going on inside of them. Yeah, I think it's pretty normal that we're all going to have that initial hit that it does feel really hard. Yeah. As much as we try to arm ourselves or, or on our wellness journey, I think we are humans and these things hurt when people poke fun or are negative. Uh, and that is just being human. But then what do we do with that, right? We're not going to want to try and change them or convince them. I think it's just, yeah, accepting we can't, they are where they are, but we always get to choose how close they are to us in these different parts of it, to ourselves. Like how much space are we going to create with these different individuals? Where does that lie? Where does this, where does it feel the most safe to have these people in our lives? Yeah. And moms out there listening, a lot of this may be overwhelming. You don't know where to start or you don't have the confidence to, you know, do what we're talking about right now. And that's okay. It takes time, but it also takes help. <laughs> and Jessica, you're someone obviously that can help someone go through this because moms out there, I say this almost every episode when I'm talking about things that I have gone through, it took me a lot of therapy a lot of reading, a lot of soul searching, a lot of healing, and, and a lot of times getting hurt a lot. Uh, so don't feel like you need to change the world in a day with all of this or do all this stuff now. Um, it can be very overwhelming. And Jessica is someone that a professional that you can work with to get there eventually. Okay. So we have grace and patience with yourself and, um, you know, we'll talk at the end about connecting with Jessica, but I want to just ask Jessica, what is a confidence booster that you can give moms out there that are listening right now that are like, oh, I don't know how to even begin or get started with this. Um, is there something that you can give them to make them at least take that first step? Yeah, I think the most important part is to normalize that for everyone this is gonna feel overwhelming, like you just said. And the first couple of times you try to set a boundary, it's not gonna go perfectly. It's gonna feel a little messy 
you might overexplain a little bit, but you're trying to set a boundary. You're making that first step of letting people know what feels good for you. And that is important and that matters. And to keep trying that and it will get easier. But honestly, I think boundaries, particularly with certain relationships are always gonna be hard and intimidating despite how many times you've done it. So I just want people to not feel alone and how hard this is or how scary it can be at times, particularly if someone's gonna have big reactions. We're all in that. It is, it is hard work. And it is. Yeah. And don't do it alone. You know, I can't tell you like you and other people that I've found on Instagram books and everything. I don't, I, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have the validation from women like you, Jessica, that acknowledge the feelings where you look at a Instagram reel or you read a blog post or a book or any, listen to a podcast episode and you're like, oh, <laughs> Other people deal with this too. I'm not alone. And I have people that I can reach out to for support. Absolutely. I always love when people come to me because it's like, let me handle your chaos. Like you just start talking and feeling, bring it all into this space. And my job is to help make sense of it and help do this work with you. And then, like you said, all these other avenues just start to lay that foundation. The more we see things being said around us, the more our mind and body gets acclimated to it. It's like, okay, this is part, this is okay. This is healthy. So all of it matters. All of these little pieces and big pieces of support matter. Yes, I agree. Okay, we're going totally off topic, but every episode with guests, I ask what their favorite product, whether it's a beauty product, you know, anything, store, website, a favorite book that you've loved, anything that you want to share with moms. Cause I just, I love finding out new products and new things out there. Cause I feel so disconnected from things lately. I'm like, Oh, that looks fun. Or, you know, someone talks about what they've read or what they've listened to or anything. And um, so is there something right now that you'd want to share with a mom um, that you are loving right now? Yeah. Well, it's so funny because you'd mentioned Nedra and that was what I was going to mention. Oh, her great. book, The Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Just related to this topic, I think that is a really helpful book. I love the way that she explains things. I think it's very insightful, um, but also approachable. Yep. I will put a link everyone to that book because it is literally a, like the Bible of boundaries. Yes. Um, in terms of just Something that I have been loving is actually not something that you can buy or a product, but as I've come along in my motherhood journey, I have realized the importance, and this was true when I was in high school or my 20s, but it's becoming even more true now is music and having good playlists. So taking some time to put together a good playlist or a couple different playlists, because there is going to be those really tough days where the kids are screaming and they're unhappy or the baby is crying. And for me, it has been such a saving grace to put on music to help regulate, help calm myself down, just uh, whether it be in the car or now as my kids get older, we have our music that just gets us out of our funk. If, we're, if the kids are just not happy, I'm trying to make dinner, uh, I will throw on our dance playlist and it just changes the mood for everyone. 
So I am finding that is one of my kind of survival <laughs> tools right now. I love that. I'm, I'm a big music person. I, I, so many genres of music that I love that just based on my mood. And I, I always say like, you know, I'm a fitness instructor and want like more than half of the reason why I love being a fitness instructor, it is my connection to music now. Like I would never know a lot of these new artists um, and just incredible music if it wasn't for the playlist that I have to create every week for my classes that are energizing or my yoga classes that, you know, have a different feel to it. So I love that you're talking about this and bringing it into your home and to help with whatever's going on or whatever energy you have, or maybe, yeah, like you said, maybe you are, you have so much to do and around the house and you put on a good playlist to motivate you to get it done and it just helps you or calming yourself down and relaxing. I, I love it too. Sometimes I'll put on um, Spotify, it's called classical music for studying and it's a Spotify playlist, but I always put that on when I'm just like, I just need to like do some work and just have like some calmness, like in the background. So thank you for that. I love that. I love that you talked about that. Absolutely. I find I have different playlists and I think you're the right, the one that you need when you need to focus versus uh, wanting to dance and move around. And I definitely have picked uh, fitness instructors based on their playlist. Like which ones do I enjoy? Not only because of the movement, but the music. So. Oh, yeah, that is important. We definitely get comments about music. That's one of one of the feedbacks uh, of music. Um, so where, where, where can moms find you, work with you? Do you have anything special going on right now that moms would love to know about? Yeah, well, they can find me at Dr. Jess Bauer, B-A-U-E-R.com. So that is my website. Otherwise they can just look me up on psychology today. I have a profile under my name, Jessica Bauer. And then my number, I don't know if that's helpful if people use that. Most people <laughs> reach out, email, um, but it's 404-444-8974. Uh, so that's my work number. People leave a voicemail or a text saying, hey, I'm interested in learning more about your services. And then something that will be coming next year is I'm hoping to expand my practice. And I wanna bring in some providers that are going to expand on the work that I'm doing. So I'm really excited to bring in people that I just can't do it all. And there's a lot of things that moms experience, whether it be like birth trauma. So having someone that specializes in trauma. And so that is gonna be coming in January that I will be expanding and having some people join my team just to offer more services. And I don't think most people are also familiar with what's called SIPAC. That is um, right now available to psychologists. I think they're in the development to find a master's level therapist, uh, something similar. But right now psychologists can practice in 33 states virtually. And this is huge. So clients in different states can now find providers that fit with them. So that's a lovely, lovely option. And so I am part of that. I became part of that this year and I find that huge. And also if clients move out of state, if they move within one of those states, they can stay and not have to find a new therapist. So that I hope we keep expanding on that and hopefully get to all the states. Great. I'm going to list all that, including your Instagram handle, because I love your reels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to can stay active on there. Uh, yeah. 
been sick the last couple of weeks, so a little hit and miss, but I love to really create stuff on Instagram that I think hopefully moms can relate to. That's great. All right. So I have the mom card drawing of the week that I'm reading now at the end versus the beginning. So the uh, the draw the card, the author of the card is Sarah Paulson. I, I'm not familiar with her. And the quote is, so let me know how it resonates with you, if it even does at all. Things are possible. The impossible can be possible. Okay. So thing, so even the impossible is possible, right? Yeah. So let me know what your thoughts are on that. I don't change the card at all. Like I just, it's kind of like one of those things, like, like I was saying earlier, I've had thing cards where I'm like, yep, don't get this at all. It's fine. I've had ones that totally like, it almost is like the universe talking and it meshes with the, even the topic we're talking about. But so just what is your gut instinct, your initial reaction? Yeah, I think I'll relate it back to my work that I do think a lot of clients come in thinking that where they would like to get to is impossible. And it probably feels impossible. That is real because they've been existing in the way that they've been existing for so long. So it makes sense that it would feel so far away. And yet once we start chipping away, slowly but surely, just like we would with boundaries, once you start just doing small little steps, it slowly becomes more attainable. My clients will say, okay, I'm starting to see it now. It's too hard when you're starting, when you're at the starting line, it feels too big, too scary. But once you start, I think things become a little bit less scary. All right. Something I'm going to add to this that goes along with what you, what you do and what you offer that moms may be able to relate to this a little bit more. So, so, you know, one thing that initially I will say in this quote, um, the second part, the impossible can be possible. I was like, well, sometimes it's just not, you know, it just, you know, sometimes it just can't. But I remember I'm just pulling um, from a book I read, Marie Forleo's Everything is Figure Outable, which I've quoted many times throughout this season um, because there's so many little nuggets. But this quote, the second half of the impossible can be possible. The way Marie Forleo put this subject, I guess, um, because she had an audience member. I went to a, um, her launch. She was here in the Chicagoland area for her book launch tour. And someone in the audience said, because she has the, her books called Everything is Figure Outable. And this person in the audience raised their hand and said, I don't believe that everything is figure outable or possible, I guess, in this quote. Like, what if you have cancer and you're dying and you have three months to live, you're terminal? you know, and it's all throughout your body and you want to live, like, how is that figure? How do you figure that out? And how is that figure outable? And, you know, Marie had an amazing response to it of, it may not be the journey or the solution that you thought you were going to use or have in that toolbox. You may have a problem put in front of you and you may be like, okay, I'm going to do this and this, and those solutions and problems, or, you know, those solutions to the problem may not be 
may not work, but you can find a way, like Marie said, like, you know, if someone is diagnosed with terminal cancer, they can choose to live those last moments of their life in such a different way and have an incredible life still, even though it's not like the problem was completely solved, the initial problem, but how do you change your mindset to figure out a different way to get to an amazing destination? So mom's like out there, you know, you may have your type A hat on and this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do these things and whatever, but you may need to pivot, don't you think? Absolutely. I think that is a really great point that sometimes we're not going to land where we originally thought that that destination doesn't look the way that we thought. Um, I think that a lot of people will come to me trying to say, well, I want to fix this relationship or I want it to look this way and we realize "Mm -mm, that's not actually where you might authentically land. It might be over here and you still did figure it out. It wasn't the way that you thought it was gonna look, but you still did navigate it and found a way through it. It just looks different in the end. Yeah, and moms out there, I will say, working with someone like like Jessica and, you know, like I can speak for myself with my decades of therapy that I, I you know, with all the things that I've gone through and you've gone through out there, moms, it, you know, if I didn't speak to someone professionally that I was comfortable with and that I just, someone that could give me other avenues, I don't know where I would have been because 99.9% of the time I would leave a therapy you know, um, session and try what was suggested. And I'm like, I would never have done that. And look where I'm at now. I would never have known how to do that with those steps or that solution or pivot in a certain way and learn different things. So Jessica, you know, you know, women like you, anyone out there, you know, in this world of psychology, really just, I'm so grateful to all of you for giving us out there those alternative ways and solutions that could work. Absolutely. I do think that's the power of therapy. And that's why therapists go to therapy because we can't always make sense of everything we're experiencing and feeling. And so being able to have someone help us navigate it is so helpful. And I appreciate a podcast to be able to talk about all these different topics. So I appreciate you having me on here today. Oh gosh. I am so grateful for the time that we've had moms out there. I know these, you have so many nuggets of wisdom, lots of stuff will be in the show notes and ways to connect with Jessica and, you know, Jessica, just thank you so much. I know time is so valuable as a mom, as a professional, and I just appreciate that you shared all you can give these, these women listening to your episode today. Thank you. All right, moms. Next time, next week, I will be seeing you again, or actually you'll be hearing me again. But until then, take one small step towards your honest motherhood. Thank you so much for listening to the Honest Mom Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review or comment so I can give you the content you deserve. To learn more, including what I offer to moms, check out michellemansfieldauthor.com. Most importantly, If you know a mom that needs to hear the words you heard today, please share the love and let's create a community of moms being honest 
for all of us.